Hello there, I'm Justin, and welcome to today's episode of The Pickup Line. So it's Thursday, and we're going to be doing a little pop culture discussion, just talking about some fun stuff that I've been trying to get into this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, we're going to be looking at the new hero coming to Overwatch, as well as talking about a new show that I've been watching that I am really into right now. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get into it. So I thought we would start off today by taking a look at a new Polygon article um, released today by Sarah LaBeouf um, entitled Meet Echo, Overwatch's new hero with the most game-changing powers yet, very likely the last new hero until Overwatch 2, Blizzard says. So really excited for uh, for this. You know, I'm a big Overwatch fan. It's one of the games that I find myself uh, enjoying to play. Um, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword experience for me. I, I feel like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde a bit when I play Overwatch because uh, I tend to get really mad at the uh, people, the other people playing it, um, and become kind of like a not not my favorite version of myself because that game is very frustrating if you're not able to um, do well in it uh, with your team. But anyway. Um, I've spent a lot of time playing Overwatch. I enjoy playing it. I've, I've you know, developed my skills in it pretty, pretty well. Um, I thought we'd read through this article and talk a little, a little bit about this new and final hero uh, coming to the Overwatch uh, mix here pretty soon. I hope. So, um, Sarah, in her article on Polygon, writes. Sarah writes in her uh, Polygon article, Following Blizzard's announcement of Overwatch 2 at BlizzCon last November, fans were left with lingering questions. When will the sequel arrive? What will it mean for the original Overwatch ecosystem? And of course, will there be any new heroes coming to the original Overwatch before Overwatch 2? Well, now we have the answer to at least one of those questions. The next playable hero to join the Overwatch lineup, and very likely the last one until Overwatch 2, according to game director Jeff Kaplan, is Echo, an ever-evolving AI who quickly adapts to the world around her. And she's coming to test servers on the Windows PC version of Overwatch on Thursday, March 19. In a presentation at Blizzard headquarters last week, Kaplan called Echo a very special character. The advanced robot was the creation of Singaporean scientist Dr. Mina Lau, an expert in artificial intelligence, an employee of the Omnica Corporation, and the mysterious sixth founder of Overwatch. After leaving Omnica, Dr. Lau went on to assist the Overwatch program with the creation of the Echo Project, despite concerns over the use of AI during the Omnic crisis. She believed that she could improve on the original Omnic design and use artificial life to save humanity. When Dr. Lau was killed in an attack on the Overwatch facility, her legacy became Echo, who adapted to her creator's personality 
and behaviors. The Overwatch dev team has had plenty of time to develop Echo's backstory. She's been part of the series lore since her first appearance in a late 2018 animated short. Her slightly larger role in the BlizzCon 2019 Overwatch 2 teaser has kept fans guessing about when she'd make her way into the game, but Echo's origins go back further than that 2018 video or even Overwatch itself. She was originally conceived as part of the lineup in Titan, an MMO that Blizzard canceled in 2013 after seven years of fraught development. Many of Titan's unused assets made their way into the original Overwatch concept and Echo was one of them. Her early designs were more robotic and service oriented with fewer humanoid characteristics but by the fourth iteration of her design Echo had facial features and fingers in addition to a sleek high-tech body and smooth gliding wings. Those wings were on full display in the Overwatch 2 BlizzCon trailer, which had some fans guessing that the flying Echo would be joining Mercy and friends on the support team. Not so. Echo is a damage character, and a powerful one at that. Uh, Sarah LaBeouf continues, The newest addition to the Overwatch roster uses energy-based attacks. Her primary ability, Tri-Shot, lets her shoot a triangular burst from her hands. Echo can also fire a few sticky bombs that explode after a moment, and she has a focusing beam to deal a lot of damage in a few seconds it's available. But what really makes Echo special is her ultimate ability, which Kaplan called the most game-changing ultimate we've ever added to Overwatch. Remember when I said that Echo was designed to adapt to the world around her? That's true in combat as well. Using Duplicate, Echo takes the role of an enemy team hero and is able to use their abilities for a short time. The possibilities created by this unprecedented ability are nearly endless. With three tanks on a side, Echo's team could quickly steamroll the opposing squad, or Echo can take a healer role when times are tough and help her get her teammates back on their feet. Of course, she only can duplicate damage she, of course, she can duplicate damage characters too. The only person Echo can't become is the opposing team's Echo. It's not a stealthy move. Opposing players will be able to recognize when duplicate is in use by the character's blue glow. Echo's duplicate has led to some memorable moments during internal playtests, Kaplan said. In one instance, he was using Echo to fly beyond the opposing team's bunker and attack Bastion from behind, but I realized my ultimate ability was up, so instead I transformed into Bastion. And then I became Bastion, I transformed into turret mode, and I'm behind their bunker, and I just mowed them all down. There's one more special aspect to duplicate. While Echo is transformed, the character that she's mimicking will generate its own ultimate ability much more quickly than normal. A really talented player could, for example, deploy Roadhog's ultimate attack, Whole Hog, twice in a single run using Duplicate, which Kaplan says he also witnessed while playing with other Blizzard employees. Last but not least is Echo's passive ability, Glide. As revealed in that Overwatch 2 trailer, Echo is a flyer similar to Mercy. She can also hover in the air and glide around on her way back down. It took a few tries during my hands-on session to get the hang of flying with Echo, but with some practice it felt incredibly smooth. Flight makes Echo a great foil for other airborne attackers like Farah. This combination of abilities makes Echo a powerhouse, but it's balanced out by her lack of defensive abilities, which separates her from other damage characters like Genji and Doomfist. I think the balance changes revolve around making sure she's not too dominant in any one situation, and that she has some vulnerabilities, Kaplan told us. That said, Echo is still a work in progress, with player reactions and the PTR client likely to determine how she's ultimately balanced. Sometimes the community teaches us how to play the hero, hero producer Gary Fonville said. I think Overwatch League will see some really great moments and strategies that we may have not encountered internally, and how best to use her. Speaking of Overwatch League, Kaplan predicts Echo will be popular among esports players, and that she'll test the pros' skills in new ways. I mean, 
Kaplan says, I mean, her damage and her flanking ability are second to none, so I think a lot of teams will be attracted to her, and then more than the average players, I think the pro players in Overwatch League and contenders uh, will really exploit that ultimate ability more than anybody that we will see. As Kaplan put it, there are two versions of popular, uh, two versions of popular in the esports scene. What's popular with players and what's popular with the audience. Players are going to love seeing this because you're going to have some of your favorite damage pros like uh, Sinatra, like Sinatra and Surefor, who uh, you're going to see transforming into characters you never normally get to see them play. What happens when Surefor transforms into Reinhardt? Despite Echo's undeniably cool abilities, she's still pretty approachable for more casual Overwatch players, which I can attest to firsthand. Even though my skills were rusty, playing Echo felt intuitive in a way that other characters haven't. Every move and attack is so smooth and streamlined, and she doesn't require masterful aim and timing to get the job done. However, it's going to be the best players that really master Echo's ult, because they'll need to be able to adapt to every other character in the game. I think she's really approachable for new players, just mainly through her abilities, associate game designer Joshua No said. She has a lot of power weighted into her abilities. There's not so much really hardcore aiming or prediction required, but for the high-end people, she scales really well with player knowledge. So if you're able to clone another hero, being able to play that hero is really important. And so since the other team could be playing any of those 32 heroes, you have to be able to play them all. Nearly four years into Overwatch life, Overwatch's, life, Overwatch's lifespan, the base roster of 21 characters has been expanded to 31, with Echo making it 32. The process of introducing a new hero gets more difficult every time, according to No. It definitely gets a little trickier to try to find a niche for each hero, No told Polygon. We have to look towards their abilities and make sure they're useful in situations where other heroes don't necessarily have the skills to shine. Echo's abilities, particularly Duplicate, make her the most interesting addition to the Overwatch lineup in a long time. However, for those disappointed by the release of yet another damage hero, your time will come. We have a number of new heroes in development, said Kaplan. We have multiple tanks, and we have multiple supports in development. But after Echo, the team is going to be heavily focused on Overwatch 2 development. As for Overwatch 2, Kaplan reported that development is going great. The team's having tons of fun making the game. I feel like we're starting to understand it even more. However, don't expect a release announcement anytime soon. Blizzard doesn't plan on communicating much about it this year. Overwatch 2 may be a long way out, but Echo is just about ready to go. PC players on the PTR can try out Hero 32 starting Thursday. There's no set date for the main server and console release, but a Blizzard rep told me that April was likely. Echo couldn't be coming at a better time. With much of the world in self-isolation thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic, connecting with friends over a few rounds of Overwatch is a great excuse to get in some much-needed socialization. So once again, that was a story uh, today uh, published, written by uh, published on Polygon, written by Sarah LaBeouf. I'll post the uh, link to it as well as her profile in the description of the podcast, just to make sure I want to give all due credit to that really well-written piece. Um, an excellent job there, kind of tracing the backstory of Overwatch a little bit, as well as the development of this really new and exciting hero. So I will say, for me, I watched a little bit of the live Twitch reveal today. I'm with Tim the Tatman and uh, Jeff Kaplan talking about and playing Echo. And it look, she, Echo looks really, really cool. Um, her abilities are fascinating. One of the things this article didn't quite, they kind of glossed over, but um, that uh, phase beam ability, that um, attack that Echo has, it actually does 200% more damage. It does, it does significantly more damage when the target is below 50% health. So, and Kaplan also made sure to point out that that, is, uh, that also works on shields and barriers. So, you know, imagine uh, you're, you're trying to take down Ryan's shield and all of a sudden you get that shield below 50% and this beam just like decimates it. Um, so that's really crazy. The ultimate ability really is wild. 
uh, being able to transform into whoever you want on the other team and then be that person for 15 seconds, Kaplan said in the live stream, uh, get your ult in that time and then throw your ult out is going to just, it's going to make the game crazy. I'm really excited to try that out, especially for me because of the way that I tend to play the game. I don't main people. Like I'm not, I'm not that kind of a player. I don't like to, I mean, I have a few that I like to use more often than not. Um, but I have a tendency to flex a lot and to kind of jump around. So I'm very familiar with all the heroes kits. And so I'm really excited to uh, be Echo because I think I'll, I'll be effective in that way because I, I, I know how to use Torbjorn's ult or I know how to go in there and, and pop a Death Blossom in the right time. Like I know how to do that. So um, I have that knowledge I feel like with most of the heroes. So I'm really excited for that. So this is really going to be a really cool change. I think this is a great way to... Um, kind of like, you know, end Overwatch 1 on a high note, you know, release this really cool hero, someone that is going to be interesting and exciting to play with over the next several months as we wait for Overwatch 2 to come out, and uh, I'm really excited. So yeah, just to kind of summarize Echo's kit, um, Echo kind of has a, a standard kind of a, a laser beam sort of attack. Um, it has She has these little like sticky bombs that you can kind of throw out, and they kind of do like damage over time in kind of a spherical range, and then this, this 50% um, beam, health beam that she does that, that does more damage when 50% uh, health has been taken down. Uh, she can also glide. Jeff Kaplan kind of uh, made a distinction between Mercy's gliding, which is more like falling with a parachute. Um, whereas her is more like using a hang glider, so um, there's a lot of mobility there. One thing this article also didn't mention was apparently Echo has a shifting ability, so she can kind of quickly dodge and move, um, almost like a burst of speed in any direction, including up and down. Uh, so that's going to lead to a lot of interesting possibilities. I mean, imagine for like one of the guys on the stream, what he did was like he flew up into the air. As long as you have line of sight on your target, you can use the ult to turn into that person. Flew up into the air had line of sight on McCree way up in the sky, managed to get two shots off, falling down, and then by the time it hit the ground, had um, Deadeye ready and was able to pop the ult on the rest of the robots. It was a crazy thing. So we're going to see all sorts of crazy stuff like that. I mean, imagine flying up in the air like that, um, or, or, or I don't know, like, I, I don't know. There's all kinds of weird, interesting things that could come out of that. Anyway, so Echo looks really, really cool as a Blizzard, as an Overwatch fan. I'm excited for Echo. Um, if you are interested in Echo or you have any thoughts about this new hero, feel free to post your comments here. You know, send in a voice message. I'd love to hear what you think. Do you think Echo is going to be a good addition to the DPS game, or do you think Echo sounds a little overpowered? Let me know. Um, we're going to head over into the next part of the podcast now and talk briefly about a new television show that everybody should definitely be checking out if you can while you're at home.
So if you've been listening to the pickup line over the past few weeks, you've you've heard me talk about a show that I love more than most shows. It's a Netflix original called The OA. And that show is so beloved to me, um, not only because it deals with a lot of sort of metaphysical ideas about the world and truth and life and belonging, but it does this thing that I, I can't really describe, but it's, this, some, it's some kind of magic that every once in a while a television show is, or a movie or, or a piece of art is able to kindle in me. Um, and it's very difficult to kind of describe it in words, but it's 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 a it's a it's this feeling of like oh, almost like I, I often uh, I often use this analogy of like pulling back the curtain. Um, it, it, my favorite fiction, my favorite stories, my favorite shows all have to do with this idea that the real world is, that we live in is is a thing that exists. If you have whatever the courage the chosenness the the whatever it whatever the thing is if you have the thing and you're lucky enough you're somehow able to figure a way to just kind of peel back the curtain of that reality just a bit and be given a glimpse into something else something that is beyond understanding beyond this this normal world that we know and it, it, I love things that do that. The OA absolutely does that. And, uh, you know, there are only there are a few shows here and there that are able to strike that balance between uh, reality and this sort of hinted notion that there's another, something else is out there kind of waiting for you to discover it. Recently, I've discovered a new show that is absolutely um, evocative, uh, it just it, it has that magic. Um, I've only watched three episodes of the show, and there are four currently available. If you get a chance, check out a show on AMC called Dispatches from Elsewhere. Um, it's a really strange kind of show. Um, the premise is that uh, I'm not quite sure what the premise is, but the show begins with this enigmatic character. Uh, breaking the fourth wall and talking directly to the viewing audience, letting them know that they're about to see a character that is essentially them. Um, he keeps using this, uh, this phrase, squint your eyes and this person that you're watching is you. Um, so it's this very interesting sort of move to draw the audience in right away. And then each episode kind of focuses on one, or at least the first four episodes, focuses on one of these four characters who have all been drawn into something. The show is very um, elusive about what that something is, and I'm not quite sure that something even matters. But what the people who have been drawn into this thing soon discover is that this experience they are having uh, is giving them something that they sorely, desperately need. Um, and it's just a fascinating character study. The acting is great. Um, the characters are dynamic, interesting. Um, the show has a lighthearted quality to it that is, is so engaging to watch. Um, Jason Siegel is one of the main characters, and I, I guess he's kind of responsible for creating and writing a lot of the show. Uh, Sally Field is in it, um, as well as a few other folks. And it also takes place in Philadelphia, and that's, so that's interesting to me because I grew up outside of Philadelphia, and so that's cool. has kind of that connection as well. Um, 
And there's just moments on that show that, that are just so, uh, so human and so uh, joyous and so sad and so scary because they're so real and feel like, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's kind of interesting the fact that the show begins with this enigmatic uh, corporate CEO kind of telling me that, you know, you're about to see you. And then a lot of the traits that I see in some of these characters, I, I see in myself. And so it's, it's just a very enigmatic, interesting, interesting show. Um, I would love to talk more about it here on the podcast as I watch more of it. I've been taking my time with it because I want to savor it. So I've been watching one episode a night um, and I've got one more to watch before I'm caught up. I believe it comes on Monday evenings after Better Call Saul, I think. Um, or it might actually it might be Sunday evenings after The Walking Dead. I'm not sure. They kind of switched everything around a little bit. Um, but if you have a chance, if you have AMC On Demand or... Um, if you're able to go watch this or, or get it online somewhere, it's worth it. It's really cool and good, and I cannot wait to see where they go with it and where they take it. So, dispatches from elsewhere. Um, I guess I could mention kind of what the thing... I was talking about the thing that these characters are involved in. Um, they discover they discover a, a place called the Jejun Institute, which uh, we learn more about as the show progresses, but it seems to be some kind of like... Uh, some sort of like society of inventors or, or technologists who are trying to create technology uh, to help save the world and uh, they're interested in this, this person that we, that we this mysterious character named Clara who sometimes who somehow has the ability to help them create this technology and uh, at first we're trusting of the Jejun Institute and they you know want to help you with these like experiments they're trying to do and so we but then all of a sudden we learn about this other group that's kind of in opposition to the Jejun Institute called uh, the Elsewhere Society and it's this very like quirky unorganized group of misfit bandit rebels um, and so in whatever this game is whatever this thing is that the characters are involved in if it's a, if it's an augmented reality game if it's some kind of um, uh, game show television thing you don't really know what it is maybe it's real as one of the characters is kind of hoping um, but it pits the players if you will in one of these two roles either as part of the elsewhere society or as part of the Jejun Institute and then they're given a series of tasks and puzzles and sort of like almost like geocaching things where they have to go around the city and like solve all these mysteries and it's just it's a fascinating show to watch um, I'm excited to see where it goes it reminds me a lot of a uh, old Michael Douglas movie called The Game if anyone's watched that from the 90s um, that's a movie that's very similar to this in, in, in sort of what it's about. So check it out. Dispatches from Elsewhere, AMC, Sunday nights, maybe Monday nights. Um, it's really good. I highly recommend it. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I will see you next time on The Pickup Line.